you love him? You guys are awesome too. Ray, Ray is pretty awesome. You guys are awesome. Um, I want to echo something Carol said earlier during worship about you know taking that step. Uh, it's a shift in your mind, shift in your in your lifestyle. Uh, Ten years ago on a Sunday morning, I, I would be uh, hungover or strung out, and uh, I'm glad that I'm here today. I took I took that step to the side and said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be a child of God instead. I'm going to serve God instead." And it's awesome because now I'm a father and a husband and, and many other numerous things. But God's really blessed me because I took that step. Uh-oh. I might need Cherie's help with this uh, presentation up here, if you don't mind, on your Mac Mini. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's pray. Let's pray. Father... We just ask that the Holy Spirit be here today, and the Word would just come from you, from your throne. Not anything from me, but that you would come and reveal all truth to these people and to me. And uh, we just thank you and praise you because you're here. Amen. You know, <laughs> I, I love to, to share and teach and, and train. I do a lot of training at work. But uh, teaching and preaching is not a substitute for, for you guys to not read your Bibles or you know, not seek the Lord yourself. Uh, as much as I do enjoy doing it, it, it would do us all a greater service if we had that, that individual time in God's Word. Um, I'm going to be quoting a lot from, from the Word and from other men of God who have you know, walked before us. And what they gleaned from the Spirit... In, in study and in prayer, is, is a spiritual inheritance for us. So you might see quotes and things I share from other folks. All right, the verses are going to be up here. So 25 slides might seem like a lot, but it's not. It's not. So I know some of you guys are tired from partying last night, like really partying. Um, you know, like Cherie said, if I made it to slide 10, she would cut me off. <laughs> She's tired. All right, so the verses will be up here so you know where the addresses are and you can follow along. I won't be flipping through Bible because verses will be up here. But All right. Um, a few months back, May, uh, we, were, we were at Bethel with Ray and Carol. Just an awesome leadership training and this, this concept, this idea of family was resonating with me for a long time. Um, and in talking to pastors there and, and hearing from the leadership there, it just became apparent that, that church family is, is foundational for, for any church to, or family is foundational for any church to, to grow. So... You know, I thought about that for a long time, and I started studying. Actually, I was driving down the road, uh, going to work, and, and I was in traffic, so I wasn't going real fast. And the Lord just was speaking to me, so I pulled out my phone and started taking notes and bullet out every every section of this message, not thinking you know I would you know, need to share it time, but just hey, this is for me. This is a word. You should you should write this down. So I did. So we're a family, and that, what that means is. We're a group of people that are connected by blood or by marriage. And, you know, in this case, it's the blood of Jesus. That's, that's why we're connected. That's the family we're connected into. So I started searching out, you know, what, what's church really all about? What's this family all about? So I'm going to try and swipe on this cool tool here. Help. All right, we're a people that are grafted into the family of God by his grace. And we're also, we live by a core tenet that says we live and operate as, a, as one body. So I believe, and this is true for me for quite some time, that the basis of why people are so hungry for God, besides being hungry for his presence and for truth, is because of family. We connect and we feel like we belong. And so it's not just about coming to church and, and being 
attendant at a church or even serving in a church in your ministry. It's, it's about family. It's about you and me connecting and growing and building in that relationship. That really isn't to say that the presence of God is secondary. I love the presence of God. I love the word of God. But you guys are pretty cool too. I, I like coming here for you. All right, so I'm going to take some time to expound on you know, what God's word has been saying about family to me. This next slide here on Os- by Oswald Chambers. This is another man of God that I love. God is an architect of the human body, and he's also the architect of the body of Christ. So all of you who are in the body of Christ are those who have experienced regeneration or salvation, sanctification, and you have the Holy Spirit. So the concept, concept dates back to um, Isaiah 56, 1, where the Lord says that he is going to give us a name better than the sons and daughters, and he'll give us an everlasting name that won't be cut off. This is a promise to the Gentiles. This is a promise to non-Jews, you and me. I love this promise. I love it. He would go on to call us sons and daughters. So fast forward about 700 years to the New Testament. Christ completed his work on the cross. And then Paul sets out, Paul sets out to preach this message to the Gentiles in Acts. It says, now the Gentiles, you and me, have heard this, and they were glad. And we gave glory to God because we could be called sons and daughters. We could be grafted into the family of God. How awesome is that? That's a message of salvation, a message of family. For a long time, I was in a family, but very displaced, you know. I mean, we're all born in some kind of family, but I was really displaced. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. But when I came to know the Lord, I became grafted into this family. This family. And it's, it's been unlike anything I've ever experienced. Hmm. Romans 11 16, 26 here. There were some branches that were, were broken off so that you and I could become grafted in. So we could be partakers of that root. And our life comes from that root, from Christ. Because not everybody believes this message. Not everybody in that day and time believed that Jesus came and he was the Messiah. God. God had mercy on us to allow, to make a way for us to come in. Salvation's here. So God really shook up the community, the Jewish community, when he, when he said in the Great Commission, hey, go out to all the nations and make disciples. He shook up the Jewish community. So they still need to know that the Messiah came. There are, there are Jews out there right now that need to know that Jesus came for them. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So here in 1 Corinthians 12, we know that God's intent is for all Jews and Gentiles. You and I are meant to be one in his family, one body in his family. And although we're we're many individuals, we're together in one spirit. <laughs> when I read the Bible, I, I tend to, and you, you might do this too, you might overlook a verse like this, or the magnitude of what this means. It means a lot. It really does. It means that you can't be transplanted. I can't root you out. You can't root me out. We're in this together. We're in this together. We're part of God's family. One body, one purpose. 
And here in Ephesians, Ephesians 3, 1 through 7, that the Gentiles should become fellow heirs. We're kings and priests and queens, kings and queens. Paul is speaking to the, the church at Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey, about the revelation that is coming for the family of God, not just for Jews, but for Gentiles. There are no natural characteristics that would disqualify you from this family. You know, you can be short, tall, skinny, not skinny. You know, and color, race, creed, and none of that is going to separate you or disqualify you from this family. Many, many of you might have thought that at some point. You know, like, well, I don't, I don't really feel like I belong here because I don't look like them or talk like them or worship like them. You know, we, we worship a little, a little differently here. Some people jump up and down. There might be a hand or two raised, which... It doesn't, it doesn't qualify you or disqualify you, let me say that. We're, we're still one family. Hallelujah. Keep the unity. Keep the unity. You know, when we start going down that vein, like, hey, they're really different. You know, or they do this, and I'm not comfortable with that. Speaking those things is going to drive that wedge between us. We have, to in, in, we have to keep the unity by speaking the same things. And even if you don't necessarily enjoy, you know, jumping up and down and raising your hands, you know, let's not make an issue of that because we're still all in Christ. John Flavel, I don't have this quote up here, but John Flavel says, at the fire of your contention, your enemy warms his hands. As soon as you start thinking those thoughts or speaking those things with your friends, the fire of your contention, the enemy is already working his, working his activities. Don't give him, don't give him any, any leeway. All right, so what's a, what's a healthy family look like? And the Lord just gave me these few bullets here. I'm sure there's a, there's a whole lot more faith and righteousness that, that aren't on here. But people with the heart of God, heart after God, people engaged in community, which is, which is the local church or house church, and then people who operate in their function and in their calling. So there's a big caveat here. So you've got to listen up. Not everyone is completely whole at the time they get saved. I wasn't. Shocker. You guys probably weren't either. You guys are probably still growing. I'm still growing. We're, we're, all, still, we're, we're all still going through this process. So I mean, just, just to give you a natural example here, we have, we have babies, toddlers, teenagers, adults, my baby, my new baby, has no motor skills. She just, her head moves around like that, her arms move. There's no control over that. My toddler is full of life, very eager, but has no discipline. <laughs> and when I was a teenager, I knew everything. <laughs> I just didn't have a car. <laughs> I knew everything, but I had no wisdom. <laughs> no wisdom. And, you know, as we mature, I mean, we go through levels of growth, but we still don't have it all. We still don't know it all. So we rely on the Lord. Right? But we're, our, our goal is to be healthy. Goal is to be healthy. God is the first object of our love. And the next is to bear the the defects of others. It's to love others. And it's got to start with our own house. And by that, you know, it could be our own house, our own family, and it can be this house. 
Let's bear, bear the defects of this house. You know, not everybody's perfect yet. So endure. Let's go. Romans 12, 1, 2. I, I, I tried to memorize this verse with Megan last year. We were doing these memory cards. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is, what, maybe there's a typo, what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is a commonly known verse. I mean, some of you were quoting it too. A commonly known verse, but an uncommonly demonstrated one. Especially, do not be conformed to this world. You know, there's things in this world that I love. You know, I love, love to play sports. I, you know, I love to look sharp for work and dress to the nines. And, I mean, I feel, it makes me feel good. But there is something that's so much more important and so much more valuable. Serving God, living for God. The, the chief aim for any person is to know God and to please God. That, that part right there about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, that really means you're yielding yourself. You're surrendering, surrendering yourself to, to the will of God. We all have a personal responsibility for, for our walk with God. You know, the leaders up here, we, we can't do it for you. I mean, we can feed you and serve you and you know, provide nuggets here and there, but the responsibility is ultimately yours to feed yourself and to maintain that relationship with God. It's, it's got to be a conscious effort. You know, it can't be the, the Sunday and Wednesday. You know, when you get up, you've got to know that, man, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know one brother that does. Thank you, Lord, for breath. Thank you, Lord, for life. Thank you. It's like any relationship. We've got we've to make it a conscious effort. Otherwise, you're just roommates. Your wife is not your roommate. Right? Right? So you've got to put your love on. Turn your love on to God. Hmm. Matthew 6.33 says that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That seeking is, is about intimacy. Like, like a man and a woman are intimate. Like any, any two people can be intimate. Intimacy is the reward of our seeking. It's a reward. It's the outcome of our seeking of God. And, you know, early on in my walk, my seeking was really about what could God provide me. Hey, God, I need a job. Hey, God, I need this. It was very uh, functional. Like, hey, I needed his hands to do something for me, to give me something. And as the walk progresses, it's about, hey, God, I want to see your face. I want to see your presence. It's like, hey, I just want to be with you. I don't want anything from you yet. I just want to be with you. Right? Okay, skip the verse there. Matthew 6 6. Did I, was 6 6 on there? No. 6 6. When you pray, go to, your, go to that private place. Establish that private time in prayer, because that's how you continue the relationship. You know, if I just went my day-to-day and never spoke to my wife, never had that time with my wife, our relationship wouldn't be fruitful. You know, when I come home, it's like, hey, how was your day? Did you get the mail? I do that. It's very, you know, robotic. Did you get the mail? But I do need to ask, how are you? How are you doing? What can I do for you? You know, 
Share, share your love. It's, it's, it's not a job. It's a relationship. And about prayer, uh, Tozer, A.W. Tozer says this about prayer. God is more eager to answer than we are to ask. You know, I tend to tell people, you know, what my needs might be. But am I asking the Lord? Because he is really eager to answer. He really is. So I need to posture myself in that secret place to ask. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Being here is very important. And then there are other ways that we need to be with our, our family, with our church family. I don't believe that you can be a very strong believer, a very strong Christian, and not attend church, and not be with the body of Christ. If you can, I'd love to see that example and how you could do it. But really, I mean, this is where I want to be because this is where I'm getting empowered. I'm getting encouraged. I'm getting built up. It's a byproduct of love. It's a by, byproduct of being in this family. The time here is really valuable for teaching, for encouragement. For agreement, we need people to pray, to agree. It's, it's not healthy for you to be alone. It really isn't. It's not healthy for, for any family member to be disconnected. I bet all of you can name at least one person, that strange cousin or brother or sibling that is really disconnected from the family. It's not healthy. So why do it in the, in the family of God? Why do we allow that in the family of God? How do we justify it in this family? I know people come and go. You change jobs, you move. Well, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. The model in Acts 2 is, is awesome. We should be imitating this to a degree. To continue, continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, to have fellowship, to break bread, to pray for one another. We share in our abundance, and we share in our need. Right? Right. There's a symptom of illness in America, in the American church, and that's individualism. I'll just do my thing. They can do their thing. I'm concerned with them. And Paul really warns us of that in, in 2 Timothy. We're, we're grafted into this family, and we're grafted in for what the root has intended. And it starts from the bottom up. It doesn't start from the branch and then the branch makes the decisions. No, it starts from Christ. He's the root. He grow, we grow as he directs. And your identity is shaped by your father and by your family. Thank you, Lord. So this family has a bunch of people that have very unique calling, very unique functions. And we're, we're walking in grace, we're walking in liberty, so we can exercise that freedom to serve one another. Not just to serve our own interests. And that's where we, you know, we might get a little um, lopsided if, we just, if I just focus on myself. It's like, it's like if I was going to work out my body and I just worked out one side, how awesome would that be? Just work out one side. That's strange. There would be an imbalance. 
right? I don't know, Alex wouldn't work out one side of his body. <laughs> it's about your whole body. It's about your whole body. Promote the health of the entire body. We're a community. Sorry, I was talking about the functions. So we have different functions. Romans 12, 3 through 8. For as we have many members in this body, all the members do not have the same function. We wouldn't want everybody to have the same function. Not everybody is going to get in line to preach. Not everybody is going to get in line to serve. You know, or serve in a particular way. Everybody should serve, but not in a. Not everybody's going to sing, right? I am not going to come up here and play drums for Dave. You guys wouldn't want that. People have skills. People have functions that God's called them to. And when you exercise your gifts, it's important that you're submitted to authority, because the the authority here knows the direction of the church, the direction of a specific service. So if they ask you to yield, we yield. We move as, as they need us to move. We're not, we're not going to stub, be stubborn and force our ministry or force our gift on people. We're going to serve as we're, we're asked to serve. And the leaders here, they know who labors among them. They've gotta, they're testing you out, going to make sure you're, you're with us. You're in the family. That's, a, that's something more about maintaining unity, which we'll get to. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, verse 3 in particular, about endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We can't have, we can't have relationships where, there, where there's gossip where there's backbiting, where, the, where there's talking behind closed doors about people. You can't have that. You wouldn't want that in your home, so we don't, you know, we won't, we don't want that in our, in our church. That's where the, the spirit of division and the spirit of separation is hard at work trying to drive a wedge between you and me. In about keeping the unity of the spirit, it's not keeping the peace. <laughs> I think we, we, we probably get this mixed up more than we should. Keeping the peace might be ignoring a problem. We can't do that. Even if it's, about, if, even if it's conf- confrontational, we've got to resolve the issue, whatever it is. And that's, that's how we get to a healthy state. And we need, we need the Spirit so we can discern and be aware when there's division coming in or separation coming in. Hmm. So besides our specific calling, some people, some people are going to serve in music, some people are going to preach and teach, but we all have a common common calling to make disciples all the nations you know you might think well you know I just I just work a job I'm an accountant or you know I I do AC repair you know what have you but we all have this mandate so when you're on the job or you're in your community or at your school you still got to do this Keep that in mind. So we talked about family, comprised of healthy people. So what's a healthy person? What's a healthy Christian? Somebody who's relational. Somebody who values covenant. Someone who acknowledges God's order proper authority and people that love and honor 
non-negotiable. I gotta love you, you gotta love me. You gotta love each other. Let's talk about people that are love. Here we go. Your religion claims that you should love as Christ loved. How can you imitate Christ without love? You just can't. You can't. So if anything, if a thought ever comes into your mind that is not love, you've got to check it. Say, hey, where's this thought coming from? Here in 1 Peter 4, 7, 8, Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for that love covers a multitude of sins. Hmm. You know, Ray had a lot of great things to say about Megan and I in the beginning, but we're not perfect people. We fall. But when, when we do fall, their love covers us. The leadership has a love that covers us. And it's not exposing our wrong to everyone, but it's to build us up, encourage us. And we're, we're really thankful for that. So healthy Christians always seek to build relationships within the body of Christ. Uh, that's not to say we don't reach people outside the church, and not to say that we don't love our neighbors and try and bring them to church or love on them. But we're bringing the kingdom to them, not the other way around. Right? We're not bringing the kingdom of the world here. We're bringing the kingdom of God to them. Hmm. On the flip side, there's unhealthy people who live in darkness. So I'm not, I'm not referring to people that are shy or introverted. I'm talking about people who are not ready or not willing to receive the light of God's truth. It's, it's kind of a sad thing, though, because they, they'll come and they'll worship with us and you know, be with us, but there's an element of darkness that they're not willing to get fixed. But when God reveals that issue, reveals that darkness, when he shines that light, we still come with love. We still love them because it covers them. It's not about calling out, hey, busted, got you. No, it's, we love you. It's okay. We're going to squash this and move on, right? Acts 4, 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were in one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of these things possessed his own, but they, everything they had in common. Share and share alike. It's, it's pretty cool in Acts there's over 30 references of being together. It's more, more than 25% of the whole New Testament. That's a lot of being together. You know, they spent every day in church. Every day. And, and it also says in Acts that they turned the world upside down. Healing manifested. Provision came. But no one turned the whole world upside down by themselves. Never says it. Peter didn't do it by himself. Paul didn't do it by himself. They did it together. I need you to be able to turn this world upside down. You need me. We don't, you know, this is not like Superman and Batman. We do this by ourselves when we do this together. Right? We're more impactful. We reach more people. We reach more parts of the city. That means I don't get in my way all the time. 
Megan loves that. <laughs> All right, Galatians 3, 15, 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Skip to verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. That just continues to say, hey, we're, we're together. We're in unity. We're in a family. We keep the relationship of unity through covenant. And covenant is, is an agreement between two people. And we don't, we don't formally do that in, in America, these, you know, in, in the modern church. We don't cut animals in half and you know, walk through it. Which is fine. But it, it, it's just a symbol that we agree to something, and if one of us breaks that agreement, there's, there's a bad outcome. You know, it's like, it's like if I, you know, back to high school, if I start, you know, dating a girl, it's like, hey, you and I are dating now, right? And I go out and, you know, go tell my buddies... You know, that's, that's I, we, we created a covenant. And so I'm expected to uphold that. So I can't go hold hands with Susie if I'm dating Jane, you know. It's a, that degree of covenant exists in the modern church. It does, because if it didn't, when, when somebody wronged you, you wouldn't freak out about it, right? It's like, hey, I expected you to do something for me. It's because we're in covenant together. If I didn't expect that, well, we probably weren't in covenant. So covenant people walk in honor and love for one another. It means you're very intentional about what you say. And you're conscientious about decisions that you make. Because all of those decisions impact your relationships. So use your words to build up, to prophesy, to encourage. Don't use your words to tear down. So dangerous. Hmm. We should promote the unity and the vision of the local church. You know, if, you, if you're a member here, if you've walked with us for a long time, you probably been through the Catch the Vision course or Saturday where we go through what the vision is. It's important to promote that vision. Not your, you know, paraministry, what you do, you know, when you're outside the church. Promote this vision. Because this is the body that you're plugged into. This is where you're fed. And besides feeding yourself, you know, at home. But this is the vision that you're promoting. I'm going to get a lot of heat for this next underlined verse. <laughs> uh, Ephesians 5:25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but she should be holy and without blemish. You are not the bride of Christ. I am not the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. You can't separate the two. That hit me really hard when I was thinking about that. Because we all have a responsibility to be the bride, but we've got to do it together. The focus there in this, in this verse is not on the individual, but it's on the family. It's on the community. So I might say, well, I'm, with, I'm without spot, I'm without wrinkle. But if the other part of my body is not, I need to get them whole, right? Let's 
keep going. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. As far as Christian living goes, being a part of the body means that you don't have to walk alone. You don't have to fight alone. For if one fall, the other will lift them up. That's pretty cool. If you fall, we're going to pick you up. If we're, if we're walking together. But if you're walking by yourself and you fall, who's going to see that? The enemy would love to get you isolated. He would love to get you alone. Here's a plug for, for us. You know, home groups are a great way to get connected with people and into relationships and into covenant. Um, when Megan and I first started coming to New Life nine years ago, we came to John and Kathy's home group, which was like a 45-minute drive to Oklahoma, right? <laughs> to McKinney. I mean, it's, it, was, it was far, but, you know, we connected. We had something. You know, we connected with Kim and David and others that went there. And that's how we grow. So if you're not getting connected in home group or in another way to fellowship, don't expect to grow a lot. And they always had Papa John's pizza. Hmm. People that acknowledge authority and order. Healthy Christians are going to be submitted to the authority of their local church. And they're going to be submitted to one another. So when we're submitted to those in authority, we receive what God has intended for us. So there's defined positions like pastors, apostles, etc., you won't easily submit to authority if you have a spirit of pride. That spirit of pride says things like, I deserve better than this, or better than these people, or they don't recognize my full potential or my gifts, or, or even, you know, I don't live like those, those sinners. I don't live like those people. I'm glad I don't have those problems. Well, I'll tell you what, you got some problem. You might not have those problems, but you got some problems. So when you, hear th- when you get those thoughts in your head, check, check them. You might have an unresolved offense. You might have pride. Hmm. <laughs> Order in the family is monumental for having any, any sort of success in your marriage, in your home, or in your ministry. Order. And, and it's, not, it's not about value. It's about function. Men and women have the same value in God's eyes, but we have different functions. Jesus would die on the cross if it was just for me or just for Megan. I mean, it's not, it's not about our gender. This verse, Ephesians 5.23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. The one I didn't underline was the one before it. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. <laughs> You know, we, we believe this one. We believe Christ is head of the church. Nobody would ever tell me otherwise. But we have a hard time with the one before it. Husband is head of the wife. We can't, we can't split those two verses. They're both true. And again, it's not about value. It's about function. That function is just how we exercise responsibility. 
people that understand God's order receive God's favor. All right, people that demonstrate love and honor. I couldn't fit all of 1 Corinthians 14 up there. Jerry would have killed me. <laughs> the, the print would be so small. But love is the greatest gift from our Father, and it's the greatest gift that we can give other people. But you can only give what you have. You can't give out of love that you don't have. That's what I was missing when I was in the world. I thought I loved people. I had no clue what love was until I received love from the Father. And if your revelation of God's love is small, that's the level, that's the measure of love that you're going to give other people. So, you know, open the perspective of what God's love is for you. That starts in the Word. It starts in prayer. Throughout the epistles, Paul exhorts us to demonstrate brotherly love. And here in John, uh, John 13, this is the new commandment that Christ gave us, that we love one another as I have loved you, this is Jesus, that you love one another. Love and honor is, is the gold standard for having a good standing with those outside the church. They're going to see us by our love. They're going to know that we follow Christ by our love. But if we don't exercise love here in this church, would they ever say, oh yeah, I want to be a Christian? Probably, probably not. Two of the greatest commandments in the Bible have to do with love. Our love for God and our love for our neighbor. It all comes down to those two. How can we, how can we serve God without that? This is a verse or a, a quote it's just for me. Beware that you're not swallowed up in books because an ounce of love is worth a pound of knowledge. I love to study. I love to read. But if I don't have love for you guys, for anybody, it's worthless. So just to, to wrap up here, we're, we're all like bricks, like Acme bricks. What's a brick good for? What good is a brick if it's just lying around? It's not good for anything. It's not good for anything unless it builds a structure, builds a wall, or builds a house. I don't think that you're living your full potential in Christ if you're just a lonely brick that's laying around. If you're not plugged in, if you're not being built on, you're not living your, your full potential. You're not living the way God designed you. He put the solitary in families. He put us, he put me in a family. I had a family, but I was lonely. But he put a solitary person in this family, in the whole family of God, all of you. So some of you are saying, you know, oh, new life, New life is where I call home. But I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to be part of a family. Or some of you might say, well, is new life my home? I don't know. Do I consider these people my family? And some of you are desperately hungry for being a part of a family, but you're broken. You're saying, I'm broken. I'm not healthy enough yet. I don't meet all those requirements that you posted up there. It's not about meeting those requirements. It's not, it's not about that. You come as you are. We're, we're your family. We're going to love you. So I, I want you all to be part of a real 
loving family, a covenant church family. You know, some people told me once that there's nothing that could ever separate me from the love of God, and I believed them. <laughs> there's nothing that can separate you from the love of this family, and I believe that. I do. Hmm. If, if you want to be part of the family, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's, let's pray. Hmm. Father, you see the hearts of these people. Some were like lost sheep once, but you, you went after them. You left the 99 healthy to go after that one. Thank you, Lord, that you went for me. You said, I, I want you to be part of my family. I love you. Father, continue to graft us together. Unite us. Lord, for those who, who this is their church family, I pray that you strengthen the bonds of the people here. For those who are looking, I pray that you appoint them a family. Show them where they need to go to get rooted. Get them connected. Get them with people that love them. Let them exercise their gifts to build up the body. For those who are hurting and broken and they don't feel like they are healthy enough, I say, you're welcome to come right now. You're welcome to be in this family right now. Don't let anything separate you from the love of God, the truth of God. Don't let anything separate you from the love of this family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm.